we go. Another episode of We Talk Comics on the air and in your ear. I am the Crown Prince of Charisma, and it's episode, uh, I don't know, 196. I mean, I don't even know anymore. I appreciate your exhaustive research. <laughs> like I said, well, I am Mo the... And, and that too. I am Mo the Crown Prince of Charisma. I am the dick. And I'm a diabetic, and I'm pissed about it. With me is the Chief Defender of the Faith, uh, uh, Brett, Mr. Brett Podcast there. And uh, he's also known as the King of the Casters, uh, Brett. I, I am not a diabetic. No, no. And also with us is uh, is a uh, um, is, is he's going to carry us to another good show here. He's over in the corner. He's we'll try and bring him out of the darkness and, and into the light. He's the man with no nickname, Chris. Yes, as my doctor says. Wow, you're not a diabetic. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. No. How how are you guys doing? Anyways, I, I I assume you guys are also pissed to find out I'm a diabetic because I am. Who are you again? What? No, I mean, I can't even have like Doritos, like uh, Keith. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, uh, like, that's like that's unfortunate. It's, I, I uh, know, I know. It I mean, sucks. for you, that's the that's the thing, right? For for some people, it would be. I mean, for everybody, it's bad news. For some people, it would be like, oh, I have to change my diet a bit to to make this work. For you, it's a you have to completely change. It, it's it's not just. This is your, This is a, an addition to your diet. No, no, the, it's a completely new diet for it's you. A completely new diet. I mean, I don't do apples. I do pizza. I mean, let's let's. Uh, anyways, <laughs> there you go. Taking over for Keith. Keith was on to something with these carrot sticks. They're delicious. Carrot sticks when that when they're nice and sweet. Mm, carrot sticks are good. <laughs> I do not care for them. <laughs> well, they're not beer. Brett, while I finish crunching, why don't you tell everybody the concept of the show since you came up with it? All right. Well, I was thinking that this could be a uh, about standing the test of time. Standing the test of time. Because Chris had done his review, his retro, wow, retro review of uh of the yeah retro (laughs) review or retro review of the nom trade paperback number one and he had mentioned currently up on the we talk podcast website oh thank you he had mentioned within it that he was concerned about whether it would stand up uh to him reading it now and whether he would enjoy it as much and so afterwards he said that he had and and i thought hmm this is interesting, you know. Are there things out there? I know there's other things that I've read that I thought, wow, this actually still works for me to this day. And then there's some things that I've read, and it's just like, I do not understand this at all. So I was thinking just for all things comics, really, like, are there things that, what things stand the test of time to us, and what things don't stand the test of time to us? So, Chris, why don't you tell us about the NAM and... and, Fred, I just want to say, you know, I mean, even though this is... We'll talk about concert in the comics. This is not just in comics. I mean, I think we've all experienced this in in just about everything. Oh, absolutely. TV, and like I remember you telling me, oh, you know, you tried MacGyver again and it was no good. And I thought, I'm going to kill you if you don't shut up. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) It's MacGyver. Well, and it's it's funny because... Not the new one. That one does suck. Oh, no, oh no, and that won't stand the test of time by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, but it's also subjective. 
and and there are things that that I know we've talked about this when Keith was on the show. There are things that we'll just simply avoid because we actually don't want to run the risk of it getting ruined by reviewing it again, by looking at it again. And but there's some things, and I know I've been just of late. I've been watching some things that are that are older that that I enjoyed before, and so it's it. There is absolutely that hope that that you'll like them still and that they'll stand up at least for you. But there are things that I would enjoy and there are things that you would enjoy like MacGyver that, that just wouldn't stand up for me. So it, it is very subjective in that regard. Yeah. So let's, let's now we'll move on to Chris. Cause like I say, it's, it's things that have stood the test of time and things that haven't in comic books. So the Nam, Chris, I think, like you said, stands the test of time. I, I truly believe because it had wonderful art and a unique story pattern um, that it does uh, stand the test of time uh, because of those two reasons. Yet, if I was going to read something else from that same era that was a little bit more formulaic, those formulas don't hold up anymore. I'm going to throw out a name for it. Howard Mackey doesn't write too many comics anymore. Um, one of, one of my go-tos in the nineties, I can't read them anymore. I'd love to actually read a modern comic by him to see if it was just bad writing or it was just the nineties taking hold of the books. Spirit of Vengeance is the one that comes to mind most readily. And that's it with, that's without the, uh, Johnny Blaze, uh, cybernetic eye <laughs> it's interesting you know the that was bad yeah like <laughs> i think the 90s are one of those eras where where it's going to be kind of difficult to go back to and be like oh i i love that cybernetic eye or when when dr strange um, had the mask on and you didn't know who he was oh those oh, were some bad. good stuff you know like like that stuff <laughs> That stuff has struggled to, to withstand the '90s, let alone uh, let alone now. I think, but yeah, and you know, a lot of the image style art, you know, maybe the the originators, but a lot of the copycats. When you look at it now, obviously that style isn't so prevalent anymore. And you look at it now, and it's like that style didn't didn't stand the test of time, and the copycats did not stand the test of time for the for the vast majority of them. Um, you know, the, yeah, I mean, it takes a special artist, and, and in this case, I'll probably point to like a Greg Capullo as being one of those guys. And, and he wasn't necessarily the image style, but he was uh, he was taking the McFarland style, obviously. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, he is such a talented artist that I mean, he just was able to shift his style into his own style and become and you know become one of the top artists in the in comics. Yeah, and obviously, like, there were so many guys hired within Image to copy Image's style, and then that style started getting copied into other books, and and, and the quality kept going down and down and down as more of these guys got hired just because they could draw that style rather than because they were good artists. And so when you go back and look at that art, even just the style, even from the originators, it doesn't look so good now. But definitely when you look at, uh, you know... Uh, 
yeah, like when you look at the copycats, like that that style of art is gone. So when you talk about the '90s and Howard Mackey, you know, I haven't thought of, like I've I've always enjoyed Howard Mackey, so I haven't thought, hey, geez, is maybe it isn't as good. But yeah, as soon as you mentioned Cybernetic Eye and and uh, Johnny Blaze, I'm like, oh yeah, that had to be bad. Like there was no <laughs> chance that that was anything but bad. Well, oh, yeah. I I mean, I thought the Cybernetic Eye was bad when it happened but i i'm actually talking the comics leading up to that like the, the actual title spirits of vengeance oh yeah yeah i love that book it was gross it was fun i love that whole universe they were doing at the time <sighs> you know? well and there I was a back. period where it was great midnight it, suns universe yeah at that time then that's that's of course and that's at that time exactly now, one of those things that that, that I was uh, thinking of, because I remember thinking how much I really enjoyed uh, the Fantastic Four run that Tom DeFalco did in the in the '90s, and and I know there was a lot of stuff that went on with that, and I'm not sure that it was that well respected at the time, but I remember thinking that that I thought it was great back then, and I was really worried about that before we stepped into the to our interview with Tom DeFalco. And reading that, rereading that, because I was worried that that wasn't going to stand the test of time. But overall, like I found for myself, I still enjoyed a lot of the storylines within it. There, there are always going to be elements to the story, I think, that don't stand up and, and you question because it's just like, oh, man, was, was this maybe just too much? You could have peeled this back a little bit and it would have been more successful. But overall, from a, from a story and character standpoint, I actually thought it stood up pretty well. Now, is that the era where Franklin Richards became Psylord? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Nothing else to add. Franklin Richards became Psylord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, the fa- that was where... And, and make no doubt, I'm not suggesting that the Fantastic Force... Uh, stands up well, <laughs> you know, because that's that's certainly the era where that uh, where that came came around. But uh, whatever happened to the female thing? Did she get fixed? Oh, oh, that was uh, that was Sharon. Um, what's her name? Uh, I remember she was a wrestler, then somehow got contaminated by the thing. Yeah, if she was fixed, why can't the thing thing be fixed? I don't know. I, sharing something or another is good enough for me. Uh, let's move on. They create a female thing. You know, next thing you know, you'll have a bunch of hulks. You know, and <laughs> uh, say like a venom verse or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> like come on, that's completely ridiculous. Wouldn't happen. <laughs> come on, yeah, Tom DeFalco is one of those writers who is interesting in that. I think for a lot of people, his style wouldn't hold up. Um. But it was, well, it and was, I'm not 100 percent sure that it would hold up with, with everything no, for me either. No. Like I don't think you could go back to Thunderstrike. I really don't think you'd think that was any good. Well, you Thunderstrike know? is. I don't think Thunderstrike was good when it came out. <laughs> I mean, Thunder. No, because I've read Thunderstrike again. Oh yeah, we bought it. We bought everything, just, even if it wasn't good. Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, because I do remember reading Thunderstrike again because I was. Because that was one of those cases where I'm like, 
is this again for for the Tom DeFalco interview? I it was just like okay, well, how bad is Thunderstrike? I don't remember particularly caring for it, but how bad is it? And then by the time you reach the last issue, you're like, oh, it's that bad. Yeah, and even because... Ron Friends's art, I'm not sure would really, you know, it, it, hold up. Um, Sal Buscema's art is another one like that where I wonder, you know, it's very different than we're used to seeing now, and different is not bad, but. I don't know that it's it's a style that people would, you know, necessarily appreciate. Yeah, but art art's different. I I think because I and I think it comes down to what you talked about earlier. There is this idea because you know I I just um I just dug out uh, quickly dug out one of the Howard Mackey um, Ghost Rider Blaze Spirits of Vengeance uh, Midnight Suns from the Siege of Darkness crossover that only lasted like what. 30 40 50 issues or whatever at and, least 30 40 hundred yeah yeah and um and when i look at the art in that and this is uh henry martinez who did the art but it's that marvel style from the 90s and i would argue that this yeah. kind of art is it is so copycat and formulaic in that regard that it's way worse than than seeing Salbu or anything you know what? like and, that. And it's so. true that, that Marvel did start an art style also in the 90s that was kind of like you had Adam and Andy Kubert who were influenced by the image style but weren't doing the image style but it was a definite influence you could see it and then their style became kind of the Marvel house style of that time where a lot of artists started copying kind of that style and uh, and because yeah. they they weren't using good colorists either. And so the colors are just really flat and they've got no real life to them. So it's just like you've got something that's white and it's white. Something then that's red and it's red. You know, there's very little gradient within that. And so it's it's just very blah colorization to the to the pages. And it it just doesn't like this just doesn't look good. A close up on a face, yeah, that looks perfectly fine. When the but when there's action and more than one character, mm, painful. I think now, that's actually. I, oh, Chris, I was just going to say that's one thing with the Nam that you brought up was how great the colors look, how they pop. But like right now, like mm-hmm. because and I think that's true. I think when you look at the old stuff, that's the the colorization now looks so muted and basic. Well, this is interesting because I saw a tweet the other day, and I can't remember from who, but I think that uh, Jim Zub actually wound up retweeting it, where the person commented about, they they showed side by side of one of the, the new colored pages from an older X-Men book, and it was on the glossy paper, so it was obviously one of the reprints, and then they showed the original page that was on newsprint. And they were saying that they loved the flat color and the and the way it was supposed to look on newsprint. And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it and saying, oh, I gotta be honest, I kind of like it on the glossy paper and the the nice shiny bright colors, you know, in this case. So it's very much one of those cases where it's it's your opinion. See, that can work against you too because I look back at uh, say Larry Strongman on uh, X Force. I can't stand how the colors look on his art now. Mm. Um, that that whole Peter David uh, run of X-Factor, sorry, uh, not X-Force, X-Factor, 
Right, it's, right. Yeah, with uh, with strong. I, guns I love like that. that book. I can't go back. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I have such fond memories of that book for the writing and what what David did and the, the psychology that he got into and everything. You know. That, oh, I yeah. think the story would have just the art doesn't. Hmm. Um. I mean, even think of the character uh, characters like Strong Guy. Well, that's he true. Looked, I mean, he looked pretty silly back then, but now he'd look absolutely ridiculous. Peter David's such an interesting case because, I mean, we all have such great memories of him, but I know that his writing tends to be, you know, pretty chock full of, of you know, topical references. Yeah, pop culture references of the time. Um, so, it's one of those cases where I know that I've I've started to go back and read some of the Hulk from from that time, but I do wonder how well it would it would stand up for me right now. I mean, I th- I think I think I'm predisposed towards still liking it, so I would probably be okay. But but from an overall storytelling standpoint, it does it still would it still stand up in the same way? I'm of the camp. A, a, a pinky in the brain joke is still funny today, but well, that's it. No, th- but pinky in the brain was the exact one I was thinking of too, because it's like that becomes such a pop culture reference that it carries on beyond its age. So, kind of, I think it depends on on you know how well those do that. On the other hand, you know, having him with uh, where he has the uh, Hulk has to put on a disguise, and he has one of them being a fit on his head. And he says, come on, nobody would look at this and think that this this isn't just the Hulk with a fin on his head. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know <laughs> that. It's funny for us. <laughs> well, it's funny for us, but I don't know how many people are aware of the Savage Dragon still in, in 2018 that are newer readers, that are, you know, half our generation, that are some of our listeners. Well, and you had, had even said, like, because Savage Dragon, that's one of those interesting ones. I, I would love to know how well that holds up nowadays, because I remember enjoying some of the issues. Like, I was never a real Savage Dragon reader. Keith was the big Savage Dragon reader. I, I believe they're still publishing. You can check it out. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, well, that's, and, and that's, that's it. Because that's Mo the point. Has I, story. Yeah, like, I, because I, I mean, I always liked the Savage Dragon quite a bit. I was really, I thought it was one of the best books to pick up. Uh, read and just jump into and enjoy and then put aside and it was nothing super deep but I, I mean so I was I haven't read one in years though so I picked up an um, I think it was two months ago picked up a, an issue and it was awful and it you know the brand new issue and it was it was so bad I couldn't believe it and now I don't know if those other ones will be that bad I don't think so because I think a lot of what bothered me on this one um, weren't there in those first ones you know um, but but it probably, but probably is not as good as I remember. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> a nice thing is you can pick up the book a year, a uh, year from now, and it'll be completely different again because that's how uh, Eric Larson rolls. <laughs> uh, trippy with sarcasm, is he? <laughs> well, well, nobody gets to talk to him really. So <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Well, yeah, I remember when we approached, uh, we were going to approach him for an interview on the floor of the Calgary Entertainment Expo, uh, Comics and Entertainment Expo, or whatever the hell it's called. Calgary Expo, just call it the Calgary Expo. Yeah, yeah, and just like two, two, like 30 seconds with him. I was like, let's not ask anymore. Like he just, you know, there was nothing dynamic there about his personality. Maybe he could turn it on for an interview, but it was like, he just well, no, not he w- approachable he wouldn't give an interview. 
I'm sure he wouldn't give an interview anyways. You probably asked, no, he, you asked he, later? He, he, no, well, yeah, I asked, and, and he said uh, and he said no. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, I think it's probably for the best. It's just yeah, oh, nothing, yeah. Yeah, it just was not exciting at all, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, he, he had nobody at He was Eric Larson, like, nobody was at his tables getting stuff signed. Like, it was just him doing some commissions. And, like, nope, like, he was not a star, to be honest with you, That when he was here at that time about four years ago. He was just in the middle of the floor. He didn't have a, a really particularly good spot. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that, that says all you need to know about how well the Savage Dragon is standing up, I think. Yeah, it's such an interesting, you know, character in that regard. I mean, both Savage Dragon and and Eric Larson, because I mean, so huge doing Spider Man and and then Savage Dragon being being right there at the beginning of the Image Revolution. But now, I mean, hey, my hats off to him for carrying on with Savage Dragon. There's no question about that. But it but it strikes me that he's. He's found his niche, and he's staying there. He's completely locked into that well, niche. Even when Savage Dragon was good, if it, it was. felt old. <laughs> well, yeah, because he was. Basically... I mean, it it, it tied. It, it was closer to like a a Ditko uh, Stan Lee creation than a modern comic, even back then. I think there's something to that for sure. Yeah, I think that it. it yeah. I definitely think there's something to that. I I don't know that, uh, like, like he had he had done you know expanded into other things like Freak Force, and um, Deadly Duo, which was yeah. great at the time. I I, I well, would love to reread Deadly Duo. I think but... these things like Freak Force and Deadly Duo. I think there's a good chance those really won't stand up. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and because they're so '90s image and. But I mean, yeah. I mean, he obviously, has enough money. He just does what he wants to do, and he doesn't care that I don't like it or that any if anybody, how many people are reading it, right? Right? Like it's, is he's creating his story, and there's something admirable about that. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I don't think I don't know that. Uh, it, it, you know, that is one interesting career to dive into deeper. Yeah. Yep. Because because he's done so much. Like there, like there's just so much to him. But uh, and you know it. It's interesting because you brought up something there about about going back to the Ditko stories and stuff like that. Now, I know in a lot of cases there's there's elements of those that don't stand up today. Now, I mean, time wise, sure, that's that's something that you'll never ever get right. But it's so interesting because writing styles and all that for the time, I mean, you look at those 1970s comics, and I mean, they're chock full of dialogue and, you know, thought balloons and all that stuff. And uh, and we don't te- typically use that kind of thing now. So, but that was of the time, and, and I tend to forgive some of that a little bit more. But I, 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 I don't have a problem with it as long as I prepare myself beforehand. Like, this mm-hmm. is, this, this is going to be different than my normal... Marvel read where I'm over in five minutes. It's like okay, this this is going to be a little bit of a a slog because Spider Man's going to alliterate absolutely everything he's going to do. Yeah, but I'm intrigued because of when when people now go back and try to tell stories like that. It's it's that concept of you know that was maybe maybe like one of the strongest eras of comics will have. And using those and telling stories like that. So I mean, 
by standing the test of time, you're trying to to really go back in time, and that's that's interesting. Like, because I had just read the the spirit meets, or sorry, um, uh, Green Hornet sixty six meets the spirit, and it's interesting because those characters are all quite old in that regard, very old, and but the writing style of Fred Van Lenty was such that it was still a new writing style. Like he didn't try to write it at least as if they were, you know, 40, 50 year old characters. Yeah. I mean, and and I, I appreciated that. That's, that's like, it's an interesting, like it's, this really is an interesting topic to think about in a lot of ways. I mean, there's so many ways you can go at it because you can talk about a character like the Batman, right. Who right now is not that different than the character that debuted, you know? Um, And, and, so that character, the costume, still the most popular character, still the coolest costume, and and the core of the character hasn't changed that much. Now in the '60s, the comic book that you can't go back and read. You can go back and read the ones from the '40s easier than you can the one from the '60s, because the ones from the '40s are actually closer to the ones today. Despite you know, because in the '60s they followed the camp of the TV show, and whereas the camp in the TV show worked, the camp in the comic books led to bad comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so it's one of those things where it's like, but Batman, other than that period, and then he had the the you know, he, he kind of had to recover from that. He started recovering from that in the late seventies, but it wasn't really until the you know the uh, crisis in the eighty five that he really got to be where he is now again. So, it, but it's one of those things. Yeah, you're like, like this character is so classic and he's only had a really a couple versions, but the character that is the most classic things about him at his debut are still the most classic things about him now still work. Superman on the other hand has had really a lot more evolutions and different takes and different um, things. I mean, obviously he's still less, he's Superman, but the Superman that you read every 10 years is somewhat different. Whereas that's not necessarily the case as much for a Batman. I would love if somebody went back and did the return of Superman and just extra, uh, so, somehow redrew the mullet. I can't stand that mullet. It just <laughs> dates the comic book so much. Well, yeah, that's one of the things, right? That mullet that, uh, you know, except for that I have a guy I work with who looks exactly like that, including the mullet. <laughs> it's not really a mullet overall. Uh, it, it is on Superman. It's not on the guy we work with. He, it, it's his hair is just long. He just looks silly. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, although it's and and it, it, it is funny because I just I just dug looked at a reprint of of um a couple of the early Batman issues and the writing even is nowhere near like you expect. It's funny because, because I think when you look at those very early Marvel comics and I'm talking about really early where the, where it's the invaders and you've got Namor, the Submariner. I mean, this is the forties and it's just chock full of writing, but you look at the Batman and it's actually not that much writing in those Bob Kane, Bill Finger issues, and and then really you come to Stan Lee, and then Roy Thomas in that in that Marvel era, and there's again so much writing, so it 
it's definitely different for different characters as well because I would have less trouble reading the those Batman issues for that reason too than I would probably the 60s one where I'll bet you there's a lot more writing. Oh yeah, absolutely there is. But that style does have its fan base. I mean, there's publishers today like uh, Heroic, Heroic Publishing that still publish books like The Champions and The Flare and... Captain Thunder that are, I mean, they still use thought balloons in these, and these are published every month. So there's obviously a fan base for it. Well, and, you or, know, oh, go ahead, Brett. Oh, no, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure there is. I know there's a lot of people who love the idea of being able to sit down with a comic book and read it and be like 20, 30 minutes later, they're still reading that same comic because they're just digging into everything that's written. And, and, I guess I struggle with that concept because I'm such a big fan of the idea of, well, you've got an artist, let them tell the story. Yeah. And I think that it's like, like that style, we talk about that style. And, um, one of the books that I was thinking about when we were talking about this is squadron, squadron Supreme, the, the 12 issue miniseries from, uh, you know, that Mark Grunwald did. Um, and like Grunwald's style was dated by 1985. You know, because it was very much like Stan Lee. And, you know, you look at Stan Lee and you look at that stuff and the, the style of Stan Lee and, you know, with Kirby and Dicko and what they were doing. And Dicko was a writer himself. And, yeah, you talk about a lot of a style that doesn't necessarily hold up. But because you can see the innovation in the characterization and the universe building and all this stuff, you still appreciate what they were doing. Whereas Grunwald, a lot of his stuff you weren't necessarily appreciating so much in 1985 if you're reading his regular books because he's still doing that style and it feels dated even then it feels even more dated now but you took a look at what he did with squadron supreme and taking the the dc universe characters and and just completely deconstructing them and now it doesn't seem as innovative because it's been done so many millions of times within the universes themselves and watchmen which came after squadron supreme did it with the you know the charlton characters like the the question and the Blue Beetle and such, but you get a book like that, and it's like when I read it, the dialogue and the style is definitely, definitely is still like really, really dated. But it holds up because I recognize the influence. But if you're not recognizing the influence, if you just picked it up and you don't know the history of that book, you're gonna read this and think, okay, I've I've read stories like this a million times now because now there's a million of them. And it's a dated style, so I don't like it so much anymore. It's one of those books that's kind of, I think, not as revered as it once was. It's kind of a little bit off to the side, a little bit forgotten. And, and well, I think I, that's why. I, I think that's why it was so good at the time is it almost lulled you in a, a false sense of security. And then by issue eight, where the bloodbath basically begins, sorry, spoilers, yeah, um, no, that always it's, good to say spoilers after you gave it. Eh. <laughs> the book's been out for thirty years. I think I'm okay. Yeah, thankfully it's a really old book in this <laughs> case, so we're, we should be safe. Um, but I mean, it was shocking. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just what the hell is happening here? I mean, they're killing off like characters that I've actually grown attached to. I mean, who survives that book? Shape? I don't no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not that much. Um, 
that's yeah that's that's a really good book like i mean I, like for me and that one that one i could probably read on a regular basis for sure um one of the newer ones that uh, not it's not newer but one of the books that, that no, i was nothing thinking we talk of about is newer brett we're old we're new comic, old yes. new, new new comics what are those yeah but this is a book that was is just being re-released now and it's rick veach's the one mm-hmm. and I have no idea why they're re-releasing the book because I read that first issue and you want to talk about something that to me doesn't stand the test of time. It's right there. The writing style is so dated. The fact that you're telling a story that takes place essentially in the middle of the cold war between Russia and America. I mean, that's, I mean, Russia and, the, and the marketing updated, for the book, but... Brett. The marketing for the book is how innovative and uh, groundbreaking and, and important it is, essentially. And meanwhile, you're this is your reaction. Yeah, I, I love because I was when I saw the cover, I was stoked. When I read around the cover, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then you get into the book, and you're like, wow, this is. Yeah, this is totally 30, 40 years old at this point. And and it reads like it. And I don't and so by that token, I don't get it. If I'm a big fan of Rick Veach, then then it's okay because maybe I want to go back and reread it. But as far as the concept of bringing it back and expecting there'll be a large contingent of of uh perhaps millennials that are going to be itching to read it, um I I kind of doubt that. So I don't really get it. And, and yeah, it seemed really dated to me. Yeah, and we talk about uh, also, you know, uh, like there's certain powers or, or costumes that are of the era, you know. Like, like, I mean, Alan Scott's Green Lantern, you know, outfit. Like, we're, we accept it because we're used to it. But if somebody came up with that now and said, this is the Green Lantern, you go with the red shirt. Like and just the whole outfit and the way it looks, you you think, wow, it's so retro. I don't like it very much. It's just that we're used to it, so it's, it's gotten to that point where we're not thinking about it so much. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad you didn't criticize Flash's hat. That's well, that's that's I'm, a cool hat. Yeah, no, that that that's some Jake Eric's hat is somewhat timeless because, I mean, it is a throwback to Mercury and you know, and the the Roman gods and that type of thing. So, like that, it's that's better. Like that's not as harmful. Well, yeah, costumes, and again, it's it's just like you mentioned when you talk about the Superman and the and the mullet. They're so and and just like Johnny Blaze with the cybernetic eye and Doctor Strange with that. I mean, it's well. So what, how many years did it take for them to get rid of those stupid trunks on Superman and Batman? Right. Mm, I mean, they tried mm-hmm. to get rid of the trunks on Batman in 1994. I think it was. And people, there was a backlash, and I'm like, but it looks better without it. They're stupid. Yeah. And who, why would he be wearing those? But Su- Superman, thankfully, has them back, though. What? What? Superman has the trunks back. Well, not in the Rebirth. movies. That's all that anybody actually sees. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's such a big question with costumes. I understand with new characters. I mean, you look at... Um, we you said look we don't at, read uh, new comics, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you look at... But we review them. <laughs> you look at Thunderstrike. And, I mean, that 
that costume, of course, is so any over the ponytail, top. any ponytail yeah, yeah. is. But you know. but Thunderstrike was of that time as well. But when you take a character like Thor, he's the character that you actually don't want to see get into the of the time. Same thing with Superman and Batman. Like those are these characters where it's just like, no, no, you've got a look. You should probably stick to somewhat close to that look and not worry about don't the mess fact with that it it's too much. Yeah, it's the '60s. You got to have it groovy, brother. Yeah. And yeah, you know, like. But when you create a new character, well, that's fine. It can totally be of the time, and I and maybe you can come up with a look that can survive the ages. <laughs> now, I I don't remember. Do you, do you guys remember how long Thor's heavy metal costume in the '90s lasted? Oh, that was bad. Oh, oh the armor because he couldn't. No, 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 not the armor. The leather straps. The leather straps. Type in Thor Heavy Metal. I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> no, unfortunately, there's a lead. Uh, there's a singer called Thor who's a heavy metal singer. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, it won't come up. But if I type in Thor straps, but he, leather he was straps. Awesome. Let's give this. A, let's, <laughs> oh yeah, Brett. You want to just talk about him for a while? <laughs> What a great uh, now! Now there's a guy. There's a uh, Canadian hero, and he probably doesn't stand up. <laughs> stand no, he the doesn't stand the time. test of time. <laughs> he was dated even in 1982, <laughs> but he's awesome. And no, when I write in Thor leather straps, there's nothing, nothing. Oh, nor nor can I see Thor heavy metal and comic working uh, working either, but. Uh, so so yeah, you'll have to find uh, something <coughs> like that. I mean, there's there's definitely Thor that uh, I remember Thor from the '90s in that regard, um, where where he was glossier and stuff like that. But but I it's it's tough. It's just on the edge of my <laughs> edge of my mind, not quite uh, fully in my mind. But but yeah, I mean. It's taking these classic, these characters that should have classic looks, and giving them, and giving them these updated looks. Yeah, actually, I, I do see a, I do see an image here, that has a bunch of the that I see. It's Beta Ray Bill, and, and I mean, I love Beta Ray Bill, but it's Beta Ray Bill, a classic Thor, Thunderstrike, and then I think maybe this is the heavy metal Thor that you're talking about, where he's got yeah, he's got def- spikes got in the shoulder, spikes on the shoulder pad. Yeah. Is this the one where 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 uh, Thunderstrike is saying, "Let's go kick butt"? Yes, that's exactly. That's the right I, I'm in the exact same picture as you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's some different looks I'm seeing here. Yeah. There's some. Yeah. Yeah. So let's not talk about Thor anymore. <laughs> but classic looks, you know, the, and and so classic looks withstand the test of time, but dated looks definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between classic and dated, right? And and obviously, I mean, for Superman, when it comes to Superman, what doesn't stand the test of time? Electric Superman. Well, no, no, no. Well, Electric Superman would be cool if it was a different character because it, it yeah. looked cool. Like as a look, as a character design, fantastic. Really yes, cool for sure. Look and, and great and, use of the of the coloring from com- computer coloring at the time, and as it was starting to really become a thing. But but like as Superman, hell no. And blue and red. I mean, the fact that you split him apart, it looked looked great again. Yeah, that was it, another character. They should just bring back those characters, just as other you know. 
Oh, man, I'm looking to the cover of Thunderstrike number one. Oof. Ah. Well, and that's that's actually another interesting thing, um, because we know that variant covers are, are of course, back in full force. And, and I know they're doing a lot more special covers. But, I mean, what are some of those special covers that don't stand the test of time? I mean, Platinum, I, I guess Platinum's probably still around to a certain degree, but is it the, it's certainly not the same as, as it was back when we were... Uh, <laughs> when we were in our, I guess, relative infancy of comic book collecting, and uh... Brad, I, I have to admit, I stopped listening to you because I come across an image here of Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk and the uh, the Thor that they had in the the made for TV movies. And oh you want yeah. To talk a heavy metal, uh, really bad costume. What Thor is wearing, like they just didn't even bother. Like uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's not that different a look. It's a little more so now, but. But good lord, this guy—he has big furry shoulders, like a <laughs> like a steel, yes. like a steel chest plate, leather brown leather pants, and a helmet that's like a knight's helmet. Uh, like, well, they were trying to make him look way more like a Viking than they were actually trying to make him look like Thor. Yeah, wow, that's bad. Or like Thor from the Marvel comics, at least, and. And I also, when I think about that, it's it's like I also see if you type in Thor Hulk TV, there's a picture of Thor um, without the costume, and it looks worse than him with the costume. Oh, really? What is it? What did he say? Type in Thor Hulk TV? Yep. And Done. It's just, and there's a bunch of pictures, because there's pictures of the Daredevil character that was in there as well. Oh, but... I forgot about the Daredevil character in there. Okay, Thor Hulk TV. You're saying there's a picture with him without the. Oh yeah, when he's just like standing, like with his standing long in the hair middle of it, <laughs> and, like, and like what, like a hoodie? Is that like a hoodie got I, going there and like a brown hoodie? His hair, his hair just looks so like that hairstyle looks completely dated in this regard. And I know nobody in the podcast can actually tell what we're what we're talking well, about. But I'm uh, sure they all have Google. And holy yeah. crap, that hair's fantastic, dude. It's coif. <laughs> Perfectly, it looks like it never moves. No matter even if he's flying in the wind, like it's spectacular. Well, let's find the Daredevil. Okay, the Daredevil—that's just Daredevil. That's just Daredevil in black. Yeah, I mean, it looks a little spandexy, but uh, yeah. but that's okay. Um, that's okay. <coughs> I got a problem. Get past that. Yeah. What the, the hell are we talking it's... about? Oh, How about man. powers that are dated? Like, like I had mentioned to you guys. Like, let's talk about the other Hal Jordan. Uh, yeah, that's right, because DC Comics has two Hal Jordans. That's <laughs> Airwave. <laughs> Airwave. Like, this is a character that back in the 80s, and they ever brought back, like, back in the 80s, he used to get around and, by roller skating with his, you know, his electricity powers roller skating on the, on the uh, telephone wires uh, to get places. Are I'm you like, suggesting that roller skating's not hip? And telephone wires still your truth. Well, I, I got one that'll beat all of yours. No, nothing's gonna top like like no, I mean, okay, don't imagine I just, you let, were me just, in a let me finish on airwave. Act. Let me finish on airwave. Okay. Now airwave, like you can't like they could take airwave and redo them. But the problem is you'd keep nothing except for the name. And the name has no cachet. Like at least a dazzler you can take away the, the roller skates and do other stuff. But airwave, uh, and that costume by the way for airwave, also fantastic. <laughs> fantastic like there's some there's some 80s or 60s or whenever the hell it first showed up 
costume right there. All right, Chris, what were you going to say? Top us. Okay. Easily. Imagine you were in a traffic accident. They take you a doctor and they replace a good portion of your brain with a CB radio. <laughs> this is the premise of USA 1 Ulysses Archer. Oh, yeah. Asked, yeah it lasted 10 issues. I believe it, maybe it was 11. I think it was US, just US 1, but yeah. Yeah, US 1, but Ulysses Archer was the character's name. Um, but his power was to use a CB radio without a CB radio. <laughs> Does it get more useless than that? I would sue if somebody did that to me. Um, there's no way. Uh, you know what? You win. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a CB radio. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you win. <laughs> I even came. Up, I even came up with a runner-up on this one. That power was sort of lame in uh, the 80s and 90s, but now completely useless. NFL super pro sidekick, uh, the mighty dollar. His power, shoot pennies out of his fingers. (laughs) Now, at first glance, you might say, you know, he's making money. But when you to make a hundred dollars in pennies, that's fifty five pounds that you'd have to take to the bank every day, and that's still counterfeiting. They're going, they're they're going to, they're going to catch up with you if you're catching him fifty five pounds of pennies every day. Fifty five pounds of pennies. That's the. And yeah, we're I'm... in Canada. There are no pennies. I, you can't even cash them in up here. Well, he wouldn't. Well, no, you could cash him in, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't have anything to shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just nothing. If he's shooting, if he's shooting loonies, that's a you know, yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Oh man. Well, I mean, that's worth about what? That's that's a that's about a U.S. penny, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Maybe if you have two of them. Yeah. Yeah, powers. Powers that are based off of, off of like again things of the time are never going. To, that's never going to be good. But it seems, I'm sure when they created Airwave, it's like the idea of like roller skates. Roller skates are huge. People oh yeah, exactly. Well, like or like the telephones never going away. Telephone wires, man. I mean, you need the telephone. So yeah, exactly. But like the Dazzler, right? Like, I mean, this this uh, you know disco character. You know, luckily they they've smartly been able to, you know, redo it in in different ways. But like of the era, the hell yeah, don't seem that dated. Like, I mean, you know, the powers aren't they look light strokes and stuff right? like that is okay. Yeah. Now, you talk to any comic fan in the 90s, I'm betting they all go, oh, Night Thrasher, I love him. And I'm sure there's been like 100 pitches trying to bring him back. Really? I'm I'm saying they're pitches. I don't think any publisher has ever... Uh, I, I, I think people love this character, yet when it comes right down to it, Somebody has to go, yeah, he rides a skateboard. We can't do that, man. I don't think anybody <laughs> loves that. this character. I I think that this is 
I think all characters, I think characters that were created in the 90s with the word knight or blood in them, as a general rule, people are okay if they're gone. Like, <laughs> I think Yeah, people, I don't think Blood rule, Wolf has uh, any... Uh... <laughs> Pardon me? I don't think Blood Wolf is coming back anytime. Or Black Wolf, yes. Well, Black Wolf, yeah, that was another one that was from uh, Marvel and that uh, and that Thunderstrike era, I think, wasn't he? Yep. I believe he spun out of Thunderstrike. Yes. Now, that's a character that that when you talk about about dated looks, Black Wolf, wow, that is a hideous, hideous look right there. Like, how about villains that seem dated? Because, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, and sometimes you can do something with them. Like, I remember thinking to myself, the Purple Man, like, in the 80s. I thought, man, that's, like, the dumbest thing ever. And then, you know, they uh, was redone and, and given a new look and, and a new, you know, personality and actually became a really cool villain again. You know, well, and then you the see him. Century. You see him in the Jessica Jones series, and yeah, like, he, it totally makes sense. Everything's fine. I mean, yeah, it's like he's still if, called the Purple Man, but, but I guess in that regard. But, but if it's... you go back and look at like the Marvel, what were they called? Those Marvel Universe, um, who's who? What are they called again? Not who's who. That was the DC one, right? Oh, um, it was um, just Marvel Universe. Yeah, official handbook and... of them. Yeah. That was my first introduction to him. I was like, dude, who's ever putting this loser in a comic? You know? Well, he had a dumb look, but his power was so incredibly powerful that it just took somebody to think about for a minute and sort of expand on that to make him cool again. Blue Streak, whose power was roller skates, is never coming back. Or uh, Rocket, what was it, Rocket Racer or whatever? The, the one who was the skate, another one with a skateboard that was a Spider-Man enemy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I even even like the champion. There's a guy who <laughs> with, I mean, you can do a lot with him, but the look that they gave him with the the really long hair and and the, I mean, he's so basic, and he's so and he looks so dated in that regard. Oh, yeah. uh, he's still starting comic books though. I mean, he's still he's in the Thanos Thanos series right now. Oh, I'm sure um, he is. Quite, I'm he, quite enjoying him because he has that. Because he's part of that world, but uh, but just to look at him and to see him, you know, in that era, it's just like, oh yeah, he's just some guy with long hair who's really strong and fights a lot. But if you change that costume, is he still the champion? I he, he would be unrecognizable. He would be just some guy with long red hair. Oh, and blue skin. And blue skin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting though um some of the villains or or i get one one of the things that i can't um miss bringing up in in this whole concept is those crossovers and i know we've talked about them before like those crossovers in both dc and marvel where they created all those new characters out of the out of the random occurrences and like I'm thinking of Primal Force from DC because we did a big thing, and, and oh, Primal yeah. Force definitely did. I'm sorry not stand about the that, guys. I'm sorry. I thought it was good. I did. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. But like, and they created so many villains out of those. Like, they just created so many characters, both companies out of those kind of things. And I, and I think maybe like two <laughs> stood the test of time overall. Oh yeah, like nothing stood the test of time, and those characters were very '90s. And when they and even if they did, 
last out of it half the time they still didn't um you know they're still like lame characters now generally <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt um starman and Hit- hitman are the only thing only characters i can think of coming out of one of those things that were readable yeah i think hitman, there might be one sure. more like i don't hitman. know the starman i wouldn't even count starman to be honest with you no because i because it I don't remember him being one of like Hitman. I know was from one of those annual crossovers where they Blood, uh, he was out of Bloodlines and Starman was launched out of Zero Hour. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, Blood. Uh, I guess I don't count him largely because Starman would have been launched regardless. Oh yeah. Whereas Hitman was created because they were like, let's create a bunch of characters and have that be our our you know annual thing this year, or because they had an annual event for all their annuals, right? Yeah, time. and Marvel Marvel's uh, created Cardiac, and I think Cardiac uh, came back a few times in the Spider-Man books, but but there's one of those costumes that just looks completely ridiculous nowadays as well. That black and like shiny blue and stuff and stuff like that. I mean, very cool looking in its in its Kirby esque way, but. I mean the character. I think they bring him back mostly as a doctor now. You know, I'm I'm looking back here and I'm like, you know what costume? As I'm just kind of browsing through, as a, a majority of the time, costumes that are purple don't stand a test of time. Like not just the purple man. You talk about the you know what's the for the prowler, you know? Oh yeah. Or uh, or um, even Galactus, right? Like we're again, he's another one. We're used to it. If somebody came out with that now today, we'd laugh at it. Uh, Wonder Man when he was purple uh, for a while there, like uh, you know Mysterio, another one that like like the classic Mysterio again that, that, that were just <laughs> What's the fishbowl on his yeah head? the purple like yeah, purple I and green is also really popular. I'm noticing for some damn reason that I do not understand. Uh, yeah, purple is uh, like there's a few good purple like purple worked for Magneto, worked for you know uh, um, uh, what's his name. Um, uh, Thanos, obviously, but like as a general rule, purple is the color to avoid for like any character. I think in in comic books, uh, even Machine Man. Honestly, the look, the original look, like you're like eh, that's pretty dated. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and and I just, I see here uh, just doing a random search that Night Watch character from Spider Man too. That character has a dated look for sure. A cape with uh, with a spawn, very spawn looking. Um, oh, solo! Costume. Do you remember solo? Oh, there solo! Was a, yep. Another one showing up all the time, and yeah, like totally dated look, right? Like somehow though, I look at Luke Cage's original look, and I think that's not dated. That's awesome. Well, it's dated, but the difference is, is that at least he owned it. In the, in that regard, and, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's true. Like it, it's it's dated, but damn, I miss it. You know, to that degree. Yeah, exactly. Like I love it. I mean the the yellow blouse was a little bit wonky, but the chain, the chain. Now the, the chain, chain was belt. cool. And the leather, the the it was obviously silk. That yellow shirt and yeah, and like I say, when when MD Bright, when Doc Bright was drawing it, then he would put him in like a, a, a like. Uh, tuxedo because he was going out and it would have the yellow and blue or you know he was in the snow and he would have like some yellow and blue like a yellow <laughs> like a yellow toque and like blue you know uh, with snow pants on like he stayed with the look in those two colors and it was awesome 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's true, but uh, because color schemes become so important to characters, and and Luke Cage now there is no color scheme, and so Luke yeah. Cage just feels like a really big, um, strong guy now. I, I still like Luke Cage, but to me, he's lost a lot of personality, and a lot of that is 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 partially the dialogue. You know, it's not as cheesy now, but the hand doesn't give him as much personality. But also, yeah, the color scheme losing that just you know. That helped him stand out. But th- as long as as long as he'll still be willing to say "Sweet Christmas" every now and then, then then that's a win for us. Well, that that's yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as he should I, be. I would love to see Iron Fist return to the red and yellow costume for a little. That bit. is, it is a I thought it good looking better. costume. Like it it's looks, bo- it's very better. bold. Yeah. But it is an icon. It is. I mean, y- you'll never totally get away from the green and yellow. No, no. And and those are the kind of things. I mean, sometimes, like Iron Man had this really nice armor that was red and blue that Mo and I both liked. That was just a special armor for like an issue. Yeah. And and I mean, it was awesome looking, and I love the color scheme. But you know for a fact that they're never going to maintain that. It's got to be. Even even like the when they did the red and silver, I mean, it's got to be red and gold. Basically, that's that's going to be Iron Man. And uh, by the way, even though he still says "Sweet Christmas," the his other catchphrase now it's time to get ugly. That that only Priest was trying to get over, and nobody else ever took up. They need to bring back. <laughs> that was awesome. It reminds me because I did a visual history of him, and one of the things I found was a. Um, uh, a blog that was a visual history of him that's on our We Talk podcast, and and uh, there was a character called Willie Dan or Dance Willie Dance, alias X Da Marvel, because he was very Brooklyn. X Da Marvel, <laughs> Willie Dance X Da Marvel, and it looks like a friggin' professional wrestler. And yeah, this must have been 1980 or 78 or somewhere in that range. It's, it's like your blo- Brooklyn accent, flawless. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Will, Willie Dance, alias X de Marvel. X de Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Like, I believe this is his only appearance. In fact, my picture of him from uh, my scanning my book might be the only picture of him uh, on the <laughs> internet. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, let's uh, wrap it up. But Brett, this was a good topic. Uh, if you keep bringing up, uh, coming up with topics like this, we'll keep you on the show. Hey, that's that's awesome! I would love to love to stay on the show, you know, because because it'll be cool if we could hit like two hundred episodes or something of this. <laughs> All right, so we are We Talk Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Check out uh, We Talk Podcast for our reviews, our our you know written reviews, blogs, uh, podcasts, all sorts of great stuff. Our archives have a lot of great stuff in it, and you can also check out the Twitter. Uh, we talk podcast where uh, retw- retweeted a bunch of the pictures I put out. If you have any interest in me and Brett's graphic novel, Kings of the Strip, the story of the scene about a hair metal band. Uh, if you want to know some kind of behind the scenes stuff for that, a lot of that went up on Twitter and on the We Talk Podcast Facebook page. So, uh, yeah, anything else, guys? Uh, no, just, uh, um, you know, read it all. Check it out. Check us out completely. I read my re- re- review of the Nam, then buy the Nam, so I can get the rest of the series reprinted, please. <laughs> yeah, that'd go. be nice, eh? There those you go. Pun- you know, because are those Punisher issues reprinted? Other than maybe a trade paperback of the of that 
They're Same coming out next from... week. Oh well, there nice. You go. It's retitled. And by the time Punisher this is, visits the Nam, but and by the time this is posted, they will have been out for six months. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. All right, there we go. We're O U T.